Hello, and welcome to this Practicing Clinicians Exchange podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Mitchell. This is the third of a four-part podcast series based on the webinar, Improving HIV Prevention in Primary Care, the Evolution of PrEP. In today's episode, listen as Dr. Letitia Alopre, Associate Professor in the Division of Infectious Diseases at the University of Alabama at Birmingham, discusses non-pharmacologic prevention of HIV, as well as oral and injectable pharmacologic PrEP options. For more information on Dr. Alopre and all our faculty, along with downloadable slide sets, quarterly clinical thought commentaries, and a point-of-care resource hub, please visit the PCE website at pce.is forward slash PREP. Now, let's get started and hear what Dr. Alopre has to say regarding options for PrEP. So we're going to review some of the other PrEP options that are currently available. So just to begin, whenever you're engaging someone in PrEP care, it's still important to talk about other um, STIs that PrEP does not cover. So it does effectively prevent HIV if you're adherent and you're exposed um, from receiving that diagnosis. But barrier protection really is the only way to prevent other sexually transmitted infections. So it's still important to talk about condoms and barrier protection when you're engaging someone in PrEP care and promote overall comprehensive sexual health. Address the needs of all adults and adolescents. And this means that you, as a primary care provider prescribing PrEP, need to know what PrEP options are available and what's appropriate for cisgender, transgender, and people who inject drugs, and the barriers for each one of these populations, especially for transgender populations, because a lot of individuals may worry about hormone replacement therapy and their interaction with PrEP, and that is not a concern. You can take PrEP and be on hormone replacement therapy, and it's still effective. So for all PrEP options, we have two options currently FDA approved. Um, And you'll see that we have TDF-FTC and TAF-FTC. Each one of these are once-a-day options that are approved by the FDA for the U.S. So we still would recommend taking it daily. Um, There are some intermittent uses been studied um, called 211 with TDF-FTC, but that is off-label. And then you want to always educate about the most common side effects that you would find with these. And this is something that I've seen clinically. So TDF-FTC starting it, people a lot of times will complain of headache. Um, They may have some abdominal pain, uh, some weight loss. And it's important to preemptively tell people that these are common side effects and that they can come into care if they're having them. Um, And then with TAF-FTC, you can see diarrhea. And you can also see that with TDF-FTC, but it's a little bit more common in clinical trials with the latter. When it comes to off-label use, 211 is fantastic and a lot of times liberating for some people. So I always educate about this option for anal exposure specifically. Um, and with this, you would take two pills before a sex act, and then you would take one pill 24 hours after and another pill 24 hours after. If you have a sex act in between, you again would have to have those two days of coverage after that sex act. And there are diagrams that you can show patients that make this much easier for them to understand. But what's important to know and document that if you have someone who has hepatitis B, we know that TDF-FTC is treating hepatitis B, right? But 2 is not. So it's not appropriate for someone who is co- or infected with hepatitis B. Um, it's unfortunately just not going to effectively treat that. And we have a Hypothetical concern that if you start someone on PrEP and they have hepatitis B and you were to stop it, that they could have a flare and have worsening liver function because of that. 
So this is great for anyone who's reporting that they might have difficulty adhering to a daily regimen. Um, and they're able to predict and know when they're going to engage in sexual activities. So FDA approval. So clinical highlights for TDF FTC. Um, yes, this is indicated and approved for adults and adolescents. We know that if you're starting someone on this, we want to make sure we're documenting the creatinine clearance. You have to have pretty normal renal function in order to be on this as an option. Um, and we always want to check for drug-to-drug interactions. There's not that many. Um, and for most of them, you can just look at any up-to-date uh, to see if you have an interaction with this drug. And then for me personally, whenever I start someone on TDF-FTC or TAF-FTC, which you take daily, I give tons of goodies with this medication. So I give a keychain pill dispenser. I give daily pill dispensers. I tell all of my clients to have a phone reminder. I show them apps that the CDC offers for some people who really like apps, but the things that make it easier for you to remember to take a pill every day is always welcomed by most of your patients. And just remember, it's very difficult to take a pill every day. It's easy to forget. So in regards to TAF-FTC, the biggest thing that we like to uh, make sure we understand and recognize is that it's not currently approved for people who were assigned female sex at birth um, and who have vaginal exposure. And that's just because this population was not included in that clinical trial. So we do not recommend it in that instance. Um, the other thing that's different with TAF-FTC is that you're supposed to check a lipid panel um, with this. We know that it can actually cause elevation in triglycerides and cholesterol, um, as well as some weight gain. So again, even for this recommendation and this option for PrEP, having those same adherence goodies available for your patients is important and will help with adherence. And then in regards to injectable PrEP, and the only one that's available right now is cabotegravir. This was recently FDA approved, as I mentioned, and this is every two months. So before, for the TDF-FTC and TAF-FTC, you get seen every three months. For this is every two months. It coincides with that injection, which is every two months. With this, you will test for HIV every two months. Um, and the STI testing that we typically recommend can actually be pushed out to every four months for anal exposure, every six months for vaginal exposure. And again, you would still check for drug-to-drug -drug interactions. Because this is so new, there isn't a lot on how you can support adherence once you start. But I can tell you that some of the good tricks that a lot of us use for other types of medications, like making sure we're calling people and reminding them to come in for their injections, talking to them about the lag and window period they have in regards to two weeks of coming in and making sure that you're still adherent within those two-week timeframes um, is very helpful. And addressing any barriers that they may have, like issues with transportation, is important. So continuous services for people who are receiving um, our long-acting option. So you, again, want to do that HIV testing and the viral load every two months, at every visit that they come in to get their injection. You also want to make sure you're addressing any barriers to getting your injectable prep. So just cost of testing, implementation, and prescription assistance programs. Those are going to be key if you want to initiate and implement um, this is an option in your clinical practice. And uh, right now, there are some demonstration projects that have looked at how to best implement cabotegravir. And I think real world examples are happening right now with people talking about 
how to make sure that they are ready, they are getting the drug in, and they're looking and making sure that they're not having any barriers and in insurance coverage. Um, other than that, I always try to make sure I answer questions in regards to what it means to be on cabotegravir. Uh, I'll agree with Jason, most people really love cabotegravir. The only thing that I've ever complained of is a gluteal injection. You have pain at the injection site, but that goes away. Um, and the, I've even seen some really very cute, uh, uh, what are they called? The little buddies that you can put on people, the cool packs after they get their injection that you can give to your clients um, after they get cabotegravir. Um, so just make sure, again, having a prep champion in your clinic who understands this and knows more about cabotegravir is going to be key. And then we have this great chart. Um, I love it. It talks about how you need to monitor based off of the type modality of PrEP that you're giving, whether it's TDF FTC, um, TAF FTC, or injectable, what type of serology you need to check. Um, and really, I think this is probably one of the biggest hangups and hiccups as we have more modalities roll out. People want to make sure that they're checking everything they need to check. So again, I'll just point out a few things. Renal function, we don't have a cabotegravir. Hepatitis B, it does not treat. So you don't have to check that. Um, lipids is with TAF FTC. And we don't have to check that with the other modalities because they do not affect um, and cause hyperlipidemia. For everyone, you want to counsel by adherence. And then this is great because it talks about our different populations and which modalities have been FDA approved for them. Um, so including 211 and off-label use for anal exposure among men who have sex with men. So again, talking about barriers to consider, I will say for all of our regimens, we've already talked about the fact that we have inequities in regards to who is currently accessing PrEP. Um, and cost can be a barrier in regards to the wraparound services that are needed to come in, get the lab testing, the doctor's visit, um, so on and so forth. So if you have assistance programs in regards to um, people who are underinsured, that's important to know. Um, in regards to having uh, easily on your hand, in your docket, the patient assistance programs that are available for all of your options is important, especially if you want to start long-acting cabotegravir, um, being able to know who your representative is in your locale who can help you set that up in your clinic will be very um, instrumental in successfully implementing it. Um, there are pair portals that you can introduce and you can look at, and even um, they will help you set up dummy codes so you can look and see if you're using the right codes um, in regards to how you get reimbursed and what insurers would give in regards to reimbursement for captegravir and what the co-pays would be as well. Um, so I think we are and we have seen some shifts in regards to prior authorization denials for some of our prep modalities. When we get the grade A um, US Preventive Task Force uh, designation, that does help with some of that. But knowing your billing codes is very important and what billing codes are needed in order for you to have that visit covered will help. We're still working through that with Cabotegravir. So just to go over CDC 2021 PrEP guidelines, key updates, discuss PrEP with anyone who is sexually active. We all should be educated about PrEP. I want to highlight that we now are doing RNA testing. This is huge because again, you don't have to point up here. This is a lab-based test. 
The visits are every three months for oral prep, and they switch to every two months for long-acting cavitator bear. There's revised renal monitoring. So every 12 months with oral prep, if you're less than 50 and your creatinine is clearance is greater than 90 at prep initiation, every six months with oral prep, if you're greater than 50 or your creatinine clearance is less than 90 at prep initiation, no renal monitoring with long-acting cavitator bear. And we do annual lipid monitoring with TAF FTC. Thank you very much, Dr. Ilopre. And thank you to the listeners for joining us. Up next is the fourth podcast. Dr. Ilopre and Dr. Jason Farley are going to answer pressing questions from healthcare providers who care for patients that may be at risk for HIV infection. As a reminder, to view the full program and to join the discussion, please visit the PCE website, pce.is.com forward slash P-R-E-P. As always, thank you for listening.